and welcome back to Geeks Inherited the Earth. I'm JC. I'm CK. I'm Mike B. And this is our second uh, remote episode from our respective bunkers in quarantine land. So if it sounds a little technically off, that's because we're improvising a little bit here so we can get some product out for you guys. And uh, we decided for this episode, uh, we were... We tried to do fantasy once, and we just went off on Star Wars for like an hour. So we're going to try fantasy again. Yay! Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. There's so much to do with fantasy. I mean, and yeah, this a will be part the, of our world. This will be the first of a few. This isn't a possible topic, and we'll be damned if we turn into one of those BuzzFeedy clickbait shows. Like, here's Geeks and Herod of the Earth's top 15 things that you need to know about fantasy, or you're a dipshit. No, we're not... <laughs> Here's the weirdest things you'll see in a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, we're not raiding mages' hats. I don't know why when I started researching this, I saw a bunch of people just complaining about the way magic users look in, like, everything. <laughs> they what? always have big hats. Yeah. What's the problem? Magic users look cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're always the, they're always the badasses. I, I, like, I, there's, there's literally a review I found for uh, Lord of the Rings for the movies complaining that uh, Gandalf's not prevalent enough in a hat. Well, everybody's got opinions. Mage popes. Yeah. Mage popes. But before we get into the shit, uh, Cody, you got some news? Breaking news. Breaking yeah. news. All right. So uh, a couple things happened since we last talked. Um, the new comic book day thing happened. Uh, new comic books came out from DC. And uh, I think they used Midtown to get them in. So that was pretty crazy. Uh, did you guys get to check any of those out? I did actually stop by the shop yesterday, and uh, it was really cool. You know, they were taking all the precautions over at Comics Exchange. Uh, it was good to see Bill. I uh, have not got any of them because I don't leave the house. So, see, I in read fact, the, uh, uh, I got yeah, a little go news from Bill. Actually, uh, DC is going back to Diamond, uh, but. They're also going to be going with Midtown permanently. Everybody else is going to be going back to Diamond full-time. DC is still keeping that, uh, that other option permanent, which is interesting. So what do they gain from keeping the other option up outside of busting up the Monopoly? A safety net. A safety In case net. this happens again. Yeah. <laughs> and it also really? kind of checks Diamond, too, so I, I kind of think it's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a power play, I'm pretty sure. Uh, normal shipping is going to resume uh, later this month, around the 27th, but all the shipping lists are going to be revised from what they were before. They're going to be smaller, and uh, we're just going to go from there, apparently. Well, that's going to save a lot of companies, for sure, or, or a lot of small stores, rather, for sure. Mm -hmm. So that's good news, because uh, the, the ever-looming fear of everything, like small business, comic book-related folding, has been super high. So it's good to see they're going back to work. Mm -hmm. Uh a lot of that stuff was that day and date digital uh, kind of thing re-released. Um, some of that stuff's the Walmart stuff re-released, and uh, you know, instead of just in the full, the full trade paperback, you're getting issues. Uh, they did the best they could without stepping on anyone's toes. What else you got? Oh, man. Uh, well, we missed Alien Day, so sorry about that. It was just a couple days ago. It was the 45th anniversary, I think, of the film. And uh, some, I, I'd asked a question online about uh, what's your favorite Alien movie, and somebody made a very good point that 
really, if you're an Alien fan, um, each of those movies are so different that it depends on your mood, and I think that's the proper answer because they're all, you know, well, particularly the first two, are perfect films. It's just your mood. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned for Alien Day and uh, more that they're releasing more UFO footage. Like, the world is officially fucked if they're releasing UFO footage, and it's not the only thing everybody is talking about. It's funny you mentioned that because <laughs> that happened on Alien Day. Did it really? <laughs> yeah. No shit. It no really shit. did. And I was losing my shit about it, and no one else noticed. So, whatever. <laughs> I think part of it was that this news has been released already. This is just the Pentagon confirming it, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, that's something we've been waiting for that's for a long time. But, it, yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it had it already broken, so that might have taken some of the edge off of it. But still, the fact that they're just like, yeah, I don't know what that is, that's, that's amazing. The footage is really neat. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, well, it's all over the place now. It'll be hard to find. Uh, but thanks, Tom DeLong. There's also yep. already uh, uh, mashups with like trap beats and dubstep to it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, always there's always an excuse. Like, well, we think it could have been uh, a drone or a weather balloon or a meteor, whatever. There's always backup excuses. They've just never been like, I don't know what the fuck it is. So that that's pretty bold. Well, they're not saying aliens either. They're just saying. Well, no, no, no. Of course UFO, not. But to, for them to say that they have no idea that there's not a, a backup excuse for it, that that's pretty bold, I think. They're called UAPs, uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. They're fucking UFOs. Stop saying to the words. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking hey, UFOs. That's their idea, man. So they're trying, they're trying to make UAP happen. It's just like fetch. It ain't going to fucking happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going for the same reference. God damn it. Yes, yes. That's not going to happen. No. You bring up a good point, though. I think when, uh, when a lot of people say UFO, people instantly think alien. And that, that's not the case. So I think that's an important distinction. Very important. Now, now, when they actually go and admit, okay, there's fucking aliens out there. I'm gonna do backflips in the street. Just, I'm gonna be literally running up to people, going, "I told you so! I told you so! Your religion now means nothing because there's aliens! I told you so!" And then you've seen, like, we'll finally you've see seen the people aliens. coronavirus protesting, protesting for the virus. Imagine what the fucking alien protests are gonna be like. Oh, holy shit! I imagine shit. I I, I write <laughs> fan fiction waiting for this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like this is my jam. I've been waiting for this moment. Like, you know how some people are like doomsday preppers. You know, some people are, you know, like they, they're meal preppers. I'm UFO prepping. Like, I'm ready for fucking aliens. I'm waiting for that fucking announcement. It's literally yeah. just going to be me printing a bunch of t shirts with I fucking told you so. <laughs> All right, making a note future UFO episode. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That shit's happening. So, fantasy. If we got done with news, we're done with uh, news. No, I think, uh, I think Cody had one more thing about uh, Universal. What do you oh, get for yeah. Universal? Shots. Fired on the theatrical business and back at Universal. So Ooh, it's um, getting rough. It's getting rough. Yeah. Uh, after Trolls World Tour made over a hundred million dollars after three weeks of being out only on streaming. More than the first um, movie made. Yeah. More than the first it movie. made. It made more in streaming than the first movie made. Yeah. At the box office. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so they they said, oh well, this model does fucking work. So they said. We're just going to start releasing everything we have now to the public uh, at home and on and on and in theaters. And uh, AMC went, "Oh, really? Well, then we're not going to show any of your movies in our theaters anymore." Yep, none Which of them. It's funny coming from them because I don't even know if AMC will make it through this long. I'm surprised AMC is still around, to be honest. I didn't realize AMC is still around. <laughs> AMCs are always. <laughs> AMCs are always in like the shadow ghost town malls. Right. 
or you know like the the warehouse they converted into a movie theater like that's AMC's like like fucking they've gotten the shit kicked out of them yeah. like like I, I I don't know anybody with an AMC value card in their wallet see I used to have an AMC uh, a a list card um, to see new movies because that was the closest thing to a movie uh, what what was that I used like three years ago. The credit card that was like twenty bucks a month, and I could watch as many movies as I wanted. Oh, uh, movie pass. Movie pass. Movie pass. Yeah. Oh man, I knew that was going down. But then yeah. AMC did theirs, uh, which was like three movies a month, and uh, I was doing that for a while. Then I got rid of that and just got my Regal card. Um, How did Movie Pass fold? Do you know? I've been curious about this because it's one of those things that I always predicted <laughs> to fold and, and never actually looked at why. It was oh, just not, got, it, was, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't. No, I mean, what what you thought was the reason it didn't make it because yep, it yep. was too good to be true. <laughs> I never thought it was too good to be true. I thought it was there. It had to be a scam. Like there had to be something in the back end. If no, there they wasn't were just a scam, losing money. It really is too good to be true. They made no money and they fucked. Yep. Yeah. No. No. They, they did something noble, but it was folly, and <laughs> they went under because, of course, because everybody went all the time. Fuck yeah, I was doing it constantly. <laughs> Now, I've got to say this thing with Universal. It seems so harsh because of the times we're in. Now, if a studio had just kind of up and done that in normal times, and they're like, fuck you, we're just going to release it, I could see how that could piss somebody off. But it, it seems like they're not considering what's happening in the world right now. It's not like they can have people in the fucking theater to see the movie anyway. I mean, come on. It's, they, I think they need to take that in consideration in this response. AMC also needs to stay, keep in the response that until you mentioned AMC in this podcast, I seriously thought they had already folded years ago. Like they don't have a market pull. They should probably just be thankful for anything in the history of ever. I think it's bigger out west, but so is everything. So that doesn't really matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think I there's know. a lot more out there. Well, down here in the south, they're only <laughs> in trailer hitches and warehouses. <laughs> it's pretty true. All right. And we got anything else for news? Are we good? Um, uh, there's. Uh, there's not been uh, any big things come out, so we can move on into the fair. The weather's nice outside. It's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. The weather outside is weather. Come yeah. on. <laughs> and that is all for the geeks and here to the earth weather report. Yeah. Let's never do that again. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, fantasy. Uh, Everybody's got like their origins for it, you know, right. like because every culture is different. It depends on where in the world that you live, you know, like because it covers fucking everything, you know, like it's it's kind of like the 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 primordial version of all things nerdy. But like if you speak English, I think like I gotta give it to Beowulf. Like I gotta give it to Beowulf for starting it because it's like old English. That's that Gaelic shit that everything looks like you're casting a spell. Yeah, Beowulf brought the uh, the fantastical world of monsters into the world of knights, and so yeah, you could say that that's not only the origin of fantasy, but the origin of the nonfiction. I mean, f- fiction. Sorry, <laughs> the origin of fiction. I mean, like that was kind of mm. stuff like that in Gilgamesh. And I mean, if you want to say the old mythologies, that's all you got. And yeah. like you said, it all starts in England. With Beowulf. Well, I think when you when, with what we consider fantasy, like the third act of Beowulf, where he has to go, you know, slay the fucking dragon in a cave, mm-hmm. and the you know the dragon also is sitting in a 
room filled with money and yep. gold and shit. Like, oh, wow, right, that's right. like every video game I've ever played on a loot quest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, every D&D game I've ever played. That's uh, all of that shit. Yeah. Right down to the swords breaking. So you have to go gear grind. I mean, it's 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 where it all starts. Like, And if you look at it now, like it's such a stripped down story, you know, like. King throws house party. Grendel wakes up from house party. <laughs> Grendel kill people. Beowulf kill Grendel. Cool. That's that's as basic as it fucking gets. There's yeah. no, like, if uh, there's a translation of it that I have that um one page shows like the old English version and then the other page is it's supposed to be like the most true translation, and it's like almost all just side details about family and shit with some with some killing. At the end of each chapter, it's like he fucks uh, fucks up Grendel, then he fucks up Grendel's mom because you know Friday Thirteenth rules apply in Beowulf. <laughs> yeah, they do. Kill for mommy. She even kills for mommy. Yeah. Like she she does that. She's like, go kill for mommy, and he goes and does it. So yeah, yeah. he's fucking yeah. Jason. His yeah, face is th- fucked up. Like- Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a giant. His face is fucked yeah. up. He kills for mommy. We have now <laughs> Beowulf's Friday the Thirteenth, and then the yeah. third act, uh, J.R. Tolkien something to steal to make Lord of the Rings. There you go. <laughs> this makes Friday the Thirteenth Part Two seem like a fucking masterpiece, though. <laughs> <laughs> like it was intentional. Like no, I was conjuring Beowulf, and I was trying to tap into that, but like in a modern setting. What's really mm. bad is if you ever tried to watch the Beowulf movie. Like you're going to cry. It is the word they tried to make a 300 style flick out of it, and they they bastardized the story. They bastardized like everything. Are you talking about the, the CGI one? Yes, it's awful. Oh my I god! I don't remember a lot about it. Yeah, I just remember Anthony Hopkins. It's very forgettable. Awful. It's very very forgettable. Uh, I watched like five minutes of it this week in preparation for this. Uh, I was like, I'm going to rewatch Beowulf just for the hell of it. And I was like, Oh my god, no! And I forgot in the trailers. Uh, all of the trailers ended with a dude who's doing the lead going, I am Beowulf. Uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is, that's not like this is Sparta at all. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. I've been really loving uh, Donny Cates' Venom, as you've heard me talk about, and they actually brought the Grendel into that story arc as this ancient monster that uh, you know has been around on the Earth actually came from the symbiote planet from Null. It's one of his uh, earliest creations. No fucking way. He wrote in Grendel, like, like, like Grendel, Grendel, like Kill yeah. for Mommy Grendel. Whoa! Awesome. Well, yeah. it's Kate Stone. He's a he's a national fucking treasure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They've got all the good stuff over there at Marvel with Kate's and uh, Zdarsky. I think they're in for a good ride. And especially when Snyder moves over, I'm just saying it's happening. If 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 Snyder moves over, uh, 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 DC better really, really, really go beg Jeff Johns to save them again because he's going to be their only oh. one. He's going to be their Obi Wan. He's the only hope. That is uh, that's another CK prediction. You're pretty good with those, so let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm getting scared when CK predicts shit because I'm really tired of him basically giving the polite I told you so's to us. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't gloat. I'm just like, yeah, well, guess who fucking said that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what fantasy property, though, like, like I, I think has just been milked to death and should go away for a very, very long time is Lord of the Rings. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it was my favorite books as a kid. I mean, my mom was an English professor, and like, those they should have never made movies out of them shits. They should have, ah. they should have stayed books. There's no I way love... The Hobbit should be three fucking movies. No, no, it shouldn't. Okay, I love those movies, but 
and, and, and let's face it, everything we have modern fantasy was really collected, or as far as fantasy past, uh, Beowulf, Arthur myths and stuff like that. Everything we have past then is based off Tolkien. That's yes, our definitely. idea of fantasy. Definitely. Well, it started all that. I think the symbolism definitely comes from King Arthur shit because if you actually go try to read the collected works of, you know, like King Arthur Knights of the Round, some of those stories are only a fucking page. Yeah. Like no, they were all, they were all like word of mouth passed around type stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, the best ones is like the Tale of Gwain and Knight's Tale and stuff like that. Did you guys like the 70s cartoon when you were kids? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's when you knew the teacher had a hangover when I was in elementary Because, <laughs> man, I, I probably saw – and there's, I can't find those anywhere. I've been trying to find them to show my daughter for like a year now at least, and I can't find them anywhere. Like They, they were – They're on what? Tubi, I think. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to go check that tonight. Uh, yeah, I think so. And if I have to rewatch it, I'm just going to say it's for research purposes because that that shit's amazing, uh, especially when he when he pulls the sword out, the little sound effect that it makes. Do you guys remember? Okay, so you had the Hobbit was the first uh, animated movie, which still that's the the quintessential Hobbit movie. Just like you said, there should not have been three Hobbit movies. It, no. It's a small book. <laughs> it needed one movie. That's it. You could have done the whole thing. And the, the but the best version still exists, and it's that. That version from the 70s, the greatest adventure version. Um, it's wonderful. But do you remember they also did the Lord of the Rings ones, but there was one of them, and I can't remember. I think the Lord of the Rings was the one that was done by Don Bluth, or the other one was. And it was like they used a bunch of rotoscoping and like real animation. It didn't look like The Hobbit, and it was real weird. Right, right, right. I think that one was uh, the Bluth one for sure. I vaguely remember it because The Hobbit was the one that everybody had a copy of. Yes, Yes, the the one that they played on TV still when I was a kid was just The Hobbit. Because um, I would watch it when I was a kid on TV. I remember it coming on a few times. Um, and then later on, I was able to find it on VHS. And yeah, stuff. Lord of the Rings looked more like uh, The Wizard, if I'm not mistaken. Had that that the weird, like you're saying, that rotoscoped art style. Yeah, and I, I do remember this games. now. Yeah, yeah, it was. It didn't look like the the Hobbit one at all. It was it was like whole well, different animation. Right, the what? Hobbit was Reckon and Bass. Pretty sure, and so they went from the Hobbit, Rankin Bass to um, Don Bluth or whoever did Lord of the Rings, and then the, when they did Return of the King, it came back as the Hobbit, uh, Rankin Bass character producers. Pretty sure. I was slow to get into fantasy as a kid because, like I've said before, um, Star Wars. I was at that age where it left such a mark on me. That was that was the bar. Uh, and Star Wars felt very contemporary to me. You know, it felt very of the moment and new. So, so much fantasy at that time, particularly, was created by older guys, kind of out of touch. So, I don't know. I was always just trying to find fantasy I like, but it just always felt dated to me after seeing Star Wars. That kind of fucked it up. Well, it should be noted that uh, there is a shitload of bad fantasy out there. Uh, oh, yeah. An absolute shitload. Like it's, I call it's... them sword and sandals uh, VHSs. Ah, uh, Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something I've heard Cody mention about Star Wars is that you know I've, I've thought about it myself. Is it, it is fantasy in its own way? I definitely think so. It's 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 got all of the elements of it. I mean, it's got vast landscapes of different looking shit. It's got you know space wizards, but they're wizards. The hero's journey. Well, they're technically like space samurais, I guess. But yeah, yeah, hero's journey. Uh, strong family ties because for some reason. 
uh, a bunch of fantasy. Like Beowulf does this, uh, Lord of the Rings does this generationally. Family, for some reason, and like like the really strong uh, fantasy stuff comes up like a lot. Like I don't know why. I don't understand why we should give a shit if the protagonist is the nephew of some giant fire breathing motherfucker. But you find out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's in there. But no, I think it's, it's, it's sense of the father theme. Ah, uh, I, I still keep. I still maintain that Star Wars is a space opera. Yeah, I mean it is. But like, let me just put it in perspective. A boy is chosen to go on a magical quest. He's given a sword that his father had. <laughs> he goes and rescues the princess. He joins an adventuring party. Joins an adventuring party. Ran by then, a clear rogue. <laughs> he, with a space sure. wizard. Yep. <laughs> and then he kills the Black Knight. Or he has to fight the Black Knight in the end and destroy yep. the dragon, which is a giant thing that breathes fire. That's uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like admitting it when some of this stuff is correct. By the way, uh, really don't. When, uh, I was a, you, when I was a kid, I liked a lot of fantasy stuff, uh, but it was very much different fantasy stuff. What was the, the first big of... one that like left a mark on you as a fantasy movie that really just hit Beast you? Were like, fuck yeah, Beastmaster, yeah. Beastmaster. Me too. I saw that like so many times on cable. Oh god. Yeah, I think it was one ferrets. of Ted's twenty-four hours. I wanted, uh, I wanted little pet ferrets to go steal stuff for me. Ogo and Pogo, I think, were their names. Mm. Um, Dude, that yeah, scene where that, he puts the uh, the worm in the ear—that fucked with me as a kid so much. Uh. Oh yeah, and the dudes would like who would like they had like cloaks and they would wrap them around people and they would turn to bones. Oh god, I might watch that tonight. Yeah, it's a cool movie. <laughs> that's a cool movie that one and Conan Conan I think if you're like a child of the 80s was probably like you started with Lord of the Rings and then you went to Conan mm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, open with you here I never really did Conan I don't know just never never hit me as a kid I'm not sure why what I, I don't know I don't know I was like eh whatever might have felt too crass maybe a little too crass. Maybe maybe I was looking for more fantastical, you know? I don't know. I'm not sure what it was, but it, just oh, the, didn't, it didn't vibe with me. It, it, it's, I think Conan is one of those things that you like because it's that over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't. it wasn't really supposed to be a nice story, you know? Well, I don't think I ever had anybody sit me down and be like, hey, this is badass. Watch it. I always just kind of caught clips on Showtime or what the fuck ever, you know? So, I don't know. The, maybe I should the, go back and give it a shot. The super big yeah. rednecks in my family... That was like the only fantasy that they liked was Conan. They're like, like you'd go through their VHS collection and it'd be like Roadhouse, Die Hard, Conan. So do you, I don't know, is it too dated? Can I go back and watch it now, do you think? Oh, it holds up great. I think it holds up, but I think you also have to keep reminding yourself this is Arnold in the 80s. That's going to be hard for me to get by. Uh, that's that's going to be a stumbling block. It's not, but no, it's not. No. Okay. He's, right. so quiet, he's so quiet in it. Uh, he doesn't. And, he doesn't really talk a lot. He does sell a lot of that movie with his face. And, and let's face it, Arnold is fantastic acting with his face. What, like we said before, watch Predator and you'll see his facial expressions do most of the work. Um, hmm. He's he's great with that. He can't. He can emote wonderfully. Um, and as Conan, he's he's awesome as Conan. I, I grew up. Okay, so 
I had Conan comics that my uncle gave me, the Marvel ones. If you guys remember those, they've literally done them forever. <laughs> and I loved those Conan comics. So that, that that's what got me more into Conan, even though that's more of the Robert E. Howard kind of Conan. Uh, but the movie gets pretty close to it. It's very brutal. It's very violent. And um, it's really, really gritty and more down to earth than most fantasy, like you said. But then there's like, it's like all of a sudden, there's a giant snake. So it, I will say this. If you watch the Conan shit, you throw logic out the window. <laughs> like, it is, you totally, especially well, after Grace yeah. Jones makes her appearance. In what is it? The second one, I think. Oh, like, don't watch the destroyer. Don't worry about that. I love the second one. I love the second one. The no, second one's one it. I'm thinking of where you throw logic out the window and it's too yeah. Arnold for its own good. No, I'm thinking of it. Conan the Destroyer. Holy no. fuck. Conan in a party trying to make one-liners and quips to Grace Jones. Come on. Uh, it's great. I love it because it's hilarious. Uh, everybody has their guilty, cheesy obsessions of admissions for shit. But, dude, if you've never gotten just shit face wasted and laughed at Conan the Destroyer, you haven't lived. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's fun. Andre the Giant was in that movie, too. Yes, he was. And Grace Jones spends all of her acting time in it like she is in a music video. Andre's the guy that's the monster in the end. He's under a mask. but And now Andre, Andre's a great segue into another awesome fantasy movie, albeit a comedy mainly. What, Princess Anybody? Bride? Princess Bride, yeah, you got of it. Of course it's Princess okay, Bride. I, you, you put Princess Bride as a comedy? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, definitely. That's funny as fuck. It's, it's, funny not, a, it's, it's not a parody. It's not a parody. It's just a very funny movie. Mm. There's a lot of jokes. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. It really is. But I did think, I, I always love the fact that they address in the movie, it was so meta, especially for the time. Like How meta Princess Bride really is, is insane. But the the whole thing with Fred Savage going, did he kiss the girl? Like, I don't, ooh, gross. And what romance by the end of it? It's like, did he kiss the girl? But yeah, that's every little kid that's a dude mm -hmm. that watches that. Like, if you were like an eight year old boy watching that, you were like, ew, gross, romance. And by the end of it, you're like, yeah, kiss that girl. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put that as comedy. I'd say it's funny as hell, but. Interesting. No, you're like, wrong. I, 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 it's one of those movies that checks all the boxes, though, you know? Absolutely. Is, is, it, is it technically a fantasy? Yes. Is it technically a comedy? Yes. Does, it's got drama in it. Check. I mean, Very heartfelt. Very heartfelt. In the beginning of the movie, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Peter, what's his name that narrates it? In the beginning, Peter like he, Peter Falk, thank you. Uh, he even says when he's holding the book up that there's this has a little bit of everything. It has, you know... Action, adventure, a big journey, romance, you know, drama. And like, it, it, he's meta explaining to you what you're about to watch in the movie, which I, as a kid, I'd never seen anything do that. That was fucking crazy. It's definitely one of the most quotable movies of my childhood, though. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> and and there, I, I don't think I. I, I Anybody from my generation that loved that movie, they did not think about going and kicking their high school bully's ass with that whole, my name is Amigo Montoya. <laughs> yeah, there you still see memes of that now, fresh memes today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. That, that funny thing about that movie is it works both 
in what we're talking about right now and what I was going to bring up next. And the fact that when I was a kid, I got two movies mixed up a lot because of the fact when I was first seeing them on, I wasn't sure which one was which. And I don't know why, because now it doesn't make any sense, but that was Princess Bride and The NeverEnding Story. Oh, NeverEnding Story is so good. NeverEnding Story. You know what? That song, when I was a kid, made me cringe so hard. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. At least 10 bands cover it live. And every time (laughs) they do, I'm just like, yeah, NeverEnding Story. Fuck yeah. I'm like, like, People like ten years younger than me, like, what's this crap? Like, shut up, respect your elders. This is amazing. So creative, is, uh, so outside the box, uh, so heartfelt, scary and dark. First of all, the first time I saw that uh, was another one of those the teacher's sick days. We watched it in school, and we, we, we I immediately got my mom to go to the like the the rental store, and we rented a VHS copy of it. Got two BCRs out and bootlegged that motherfucker. Like, I had to have that right now. <laughs> Do you know what that story tells me? That that substitute teacher is just like me and walked in that room and it was like, I'm about to traumatize half of these motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, it, oh, when it got dark, too. I remember the first time I saw it, the substitute was literally grinning at us. And that made it even creepier, Like especially when they're, when she's, he's trying to get the, uh, uh, the, the, the Trent is trying to get the boy to say her name or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, like, when the darkness is literally just fucking up all of reality. He was sitting there grinning like Jack Nicholson in anger management. Just like, yes, yes. Um, the Artax scene. Can we just address the elephant in the room uh, or the horse in the room? Which scene is that? Artax sinking into the the swamp of um, oh yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the you're just sitting there in the theater, just 10 years old, just watching that shit. Yeah. It, dude, that's the that's the scene that traumatizes, dude. I still like I remember crying my eyes out when that horse sank underwater mm-hmm. or under the under the swamps of sadness. It it's like a little a little too effective for that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, they you know, oh yeah, they went super dark on that. And, and what's and, the uh, the enemy? Who's the villain of the Neverending Story? The abyss, just nothingness, just nothingness. ending. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, there just you go. Wrap that around your head. Eight. You know what? You know why that's happening, right? Because the guy's not writing the story anymore, the old man, and Bastion's not keeping up fast enough. Oh. So I honestly have never looked for anything meta uh, in that movie. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. Uh-huh. It's like racing. It. Yeah. And just don't ever try to watch it. the sequel. Atreyu is the old man. Right, right. That was what? his avatar in the world. His avatar in the story, the old man's avatar in the story that gave him, that gave Bastion the book, was a Treyu. I never knew that. Yeah, because he's the the hero still, the legendary hero. Me, oh, legendary heroes. That reminds me of something. God, what does it remind me of? Hmm. Two things that happened in 1986 that totally meshed together with almost the same words in them. Legend of. Legend. It's legend. <laughs> <laughs> and Legend of Zelda. Oh. Two months apart. Two months apart. Now tell me that because Zelda seems a lot like legend and so and that goes both ways. So Ooh. I don't know what happened. But that's some cross thinking going on. That's just coincidence. But. And you know, this Neverending Story is part of this cool, kind of dark fantasy part of the 80s aren't 84 85 86 even you know you had neverending story labyrinth legend willow uh, back a little bit before that you had crawl again yeah. um 
Cole scared the shit out of me as a kid. Me uh, too. What, the scene when the uh, the Cyclops guy is holding the walls apart for him. That oh. with me. That was sad. And uh, Willow, uh, when the the woman's doing the incantation over the baby. Oh yeah. I, like yeah. I, I I almost peed myself when I saw that <laughs> the first time. It was like this Willow is- has my favorite protagonist with Mad Mardigan. Uh, definitely. I do want to talk about Legend for a second. This is a movie that I watched for the first time since probably the early 90s, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, good old Jamie Skull, she loves it. It's a big uh, favorite of hers, and she talked me into it. And, of course, Tim Curry, basically Satan. Who, who doesn't want to see that? So I, I barely remembered the movie. And as it turns out, I know, the uh, CK, you know a lot about this, two soundtracks for this movie, okay? And she was pissed off. She knew the movie as a kid with the – the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. There's a band, Tangerine Dream, right? But the original movie had a standard Lord of the Rings fantasy kind of dark soundtrack that made it seem serious. Studio heads were like, ooh, this is too serious for kids. So they brought in this Tangerine Dream band. In the end, it sounds like a goofy VHS 80s B movie. It's It, it completely it, it's, changed the film. It's 80 synth pop. It is. It's completely 80s synth pop, and it doesn't fit the fucking movie. So we went back and watched it with his original soundtrack, uh, not the Tangerine Dream version. I love the movie twice as much. It seems so much more serious. Uh, it fits it. I, it's, it's shocking how much it changes it. Yeah, first let me say that the Tangerine sound, Dream soundtrack, is a, it, it's beautiful, and I love it, it is. on its it own. It is. It's why it's one of my three sleeping soundtracks. You know, I have that one. I have the Vangelis uh, Blade Runner soundtrack, and I have the the Dune soundtrack with Brian Eno and Toto that I sleep Ooh. to. Um, and they all have that kind of same tone about them. But, dude, hearing Jerry Goldsmith's uh, work on this, oh, my God. And it, like, He's so prevalent in a lot of Ridley Scott flicks, but, man, it like you said, it completely changes the tone of the movie, and it makes it downright terrifying. In part it does. It's way different. See, I love the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. That's one of the reasons I started collecting synthesizers. It just like, seems, for the I, movie, it just makes it seem silly, though, almost. It does not, yeah, when it you does. hear it the other way, I promise you'll be like, when you watch it that way, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, he's, you're right. It does sound, <laughs> it all yeah, matches. But, I mean, <laughs> if you track me as a person, though, would I like the cheesy 80s movie where Tim Curry is Satan with a synth pop soundtrack? Yes, that tracks for me completely. <laughs> that, that, no, it does. I happy it. Fun I, Satan. I, that's, that's my shit. Uh, I, I, I do want to see it with the other score. I do, but uh, that's such a huge part of uh, like musical inspiration for me. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to remove myself from the tent. Because I'm going to say this for you, uh, for a younger audience who might not have seen Legend or know what we're talking about. This soundtrack is you will hate it <laughs> especially now that you know there's a b-side to this where you can hear it watch the movie without hearing this shit um it, it sounds like the stranger things soundtrack if the stranger things soundtrack was on really really happy ecstasy mm-hmm. and that is disturbingly accurate yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 not it does make the movie hard to hold up to new audiences because it's eighties as fuck. Like yeah, but but the other soundtrack does not. Makes it seem no, much man. more contemporary. Cool. Something else I learned about that uh, from that movie actually, I had no idea. And this tracks I I've got long lectures about it from Jamie Skull. Apparently, and I didn't know this, fairies are assholes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fake. I always thought him as friendly little, uh, friendly little wish-granting little pixies. Apparently not. <laughs> Who's dungeon master in your D and D games? Because man, those are always the shitheads. Yeah, well, t- things are going to be changing. Fey <laughs> <laughs> okay. folk are known to be so in 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 folklore. Fey folk are known to be really, really uh, 
mischievous. You have fairies, you have leprechauns, gremlins, gnomes, all those kinds of things are fey folk. I think that elves uh, in ice, yeah, elves in um, more Norse lore are small and considered fey folk as well. Uh, that's where you get the small elves stuff from. My go-to button for this is when I think of elves, I think of like drow elves and dark elves and they're tall. They mostly are bards and archers. They have pointy ears and they're, they're condescending assholes. Like mm-hmm. I basically just think of them all as pointy-eared Hugo weaving, just being assholes to everybody. And if I think of fairies, I basically think of people that are fucking up your day because reasons. Like I don't even know people that go to Frolicon that I don't think are probably giant assholes. I love them. They're good people. But like, oh, you're going to the fairy convention. Yeah, that tracks because you, yeah, you, Pissed in the punch bowl at my birthday party. Yeah, sure. <laughs> God, that's a completely different conversation with different meanings in Nazi Nani. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. JC mentioned younger listeners. Hey, if there's anybody out there listening, you've not seen any of these movies we've been talking about, you just got a treasure trove. There's some awesome stuff in here. Go yep. check any of these movies out. I just want to go on record as saying we did not plan to go down an 80s fantasy rabbit hole. But, uh, this I, I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen, and uh, I'm I'm glad that we did because holy shit, my nostalgia boner! You could cook a steak from in the next room right now because I now know what I'm going to be watching on Netflix for like the next week of quarantine. It's just going to be 80s fantasy shit, and and again, there's a lot of bad fantasy, and there's a lot of cheesy fantasy, but when it's good, it's really good. Like I've always had this thing, especially when I play video games and shit. Like if it's a fantasy world. It's got to be a perfect one, or I don't care. Because I grew up with Lord of the Rings. It was perfect, you know? Uh, it, it's got to be perfect. Like, I've, I, I never watched Game of Thrones, because instead of watching Game of Thrones, I could fucking play Skyrim. And Skyrim is basically Beowulf the video game. Like, if you look at the inspiration, even the names of cities and shit in Skyrim are taken from the names in Beowulf. Yeah, it is more Norse, and, and Beowulf is uh, Norse in its setting, Yeah, obviously, with thanes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm very particular about it. But when it's good, it's really good. I mean, I think that's why the Lord of the Rings movies pissed me off so bad. It's like when you saw, if you saw the theatrical versions, you, you know, even if you get the normal DVDs and Blu-rays of it, it's still that's not the ones that played in theaters. Peter Jackson could just never stopped editing those movies. He Lucas those fuckers the moment they came to DVD. And like all of the really cool scenes from the theaters are not on the, the, the Blu-rays or DVDs. They're not fucking there. And it's so gut-wrenching. I think it's because we grew up with stuff like Legend, you know? It's like, it's, it was perfect the way it is. Sorry, Look, I'm just going I, on time. I, I love those Lord of the Rings movies, dude. I can't lie about it. The extended versions, man, those, those hit me. Like, I cry every time I watch Return of the King. I fucking cry every time. Uh, okay, I have a super critical... Starts. Of a super critical thing about Return of the King. I read that book as a kid, and if you've ever read Return of the King, you know that book ends, and then the three quarters of the book is just appendices after the book ends. The story oh, ends, know. and then it's just appendices. Peter Jackson said from the moment that they started making these films that when he gets to Return of the King, he is not going to be that guy that films every one of the appendices. That motherfucker filmed every one. Just about it. Yep, like yep. It, it, if you watch the extended version, it, it's everything, everything. And I think he threw in the kitchen sink and made some up. I was like, holy shit, this, this movie ended an hour ago. <laughs> hey, by the way, speaking of 80s uh, movies that are, we're recommending, um, one of my favorites is Excalibur. I think it came out in 85. 
Oh, right, right. Yeah, I know the one that's Excalibur. That's the one that's got like a young Liam Neeson as a knight in it. Um, it is the perfect Arthur movie as far as any that's ever been made that tries to bring all of it together. It has the sword and the stone part. It goes through the uh, the quest for the Holy Grail. It goes through him getting both swords, how that works. It goes through him having to fight Morgan Le Fay all the way to the end where he dies and everything. Like it does the whole shebang. And uh, that's where the charm of making comes from. The Aeneas Maruth, you know, that thing that Merlin says that we all use as nerds now. <laughs> uh, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, really good effects. Really dark. Uh, it's pushing PG-13 to its limits, but really good. What do you think for like modern fantasy? Like, because uh, I think it's all TV shows. This hold, on one, out there. hold on one second. I want to throw one last thing in on this 80s since we're there, if you don't mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll if if you should allow me. Uh, you know, Stephen King is having a big resurgence right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, uh, there are two things that he did in fantasy since we were on the 80s that, that left, left a mark on me. I thought they were great. Uh, one is The Dark Tower, which is absolutely fantasy. Oh, yeah. uh, in its own dark, modernized setting. And, and the other, he wrote under the name Richard Bachman. He uh, had a pen name he wrote a few books under, and there's one called The Eyes of the Dragon. Man, that is yes. a cool fantasy story. I read it, I don't know, I guess I was in middle school or whatever, and that one always stuck with me. That, that was one of those early ones that started kind of opening my eyes to, like, maybe I do like some fantasy stuff. I don't know. It's cool. Uh, dark Tower, the first book, uh, is fantasy as all hell. I would. Why can okay? I I want a roundtable question this to you guys, and like I'll give my opinion last because I'm talking way too much in this episode. Uh, why can't they make a fucking adaptation of live action Dark Tower? It seems like it should be the easiest shit in the world. I will That's... give that answer very easily, in two parts. And I know that Mike's going to fill in probably the rest of what I'm not. I don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, first of all, it is really hard to adapt uh, because of the way that time jumps around. Uh, that would be my biggest problem, adapting it. But people would you could you could people would be able to get it. Witcher called However, and said no. People yeah, can watch time jumps. They all can day. handle it. That's a good so point. So it has to be done not as a movie but as a show. Oh yeah, absolutely, like a high end HBO series, something Weren't like they that. Netflix. Try that? I think Amazon is trying that. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, that, that and, and the stand. That horrible piece of garbage that they released as a movie for Dark Tower. Oh, and what you know what sucks is it was perfectly cast. Yeah, perfect. It was, as soon as I saw the first trailer and the casting, I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm like, this. And then I, 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 it took me three attempts of viewing to watch it. I had to watch it in chunks. This is so bad. I kept turning out, it off. What's funny is that I found out that that is actually a pseudo sequel pseudo prequel to the end of the series um right this is not the first time through the cycle supposedly right yeah that's the whole kind of point of it is that roland uh right the gunslinger the, you know the first line the gunslinger rode across the desert and the man in black followed it after him mm-hmm. yeah that just keeps going forever i guess because randall flag is that guy from eyes of the, Dra- eyes of the dragon uh that book is a kind of pseudo prequel to the dark tower because Absolutely. he is the guy who is in control of the Dark Tower. And in the stand. Yeah. The Crimps, uh, King, and, King and Crimson, Crimson King, whatever they called him too. Right. I, 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 if they try to remake the stands, they're, they're going to have to outdo that miniseries that came on TV all those years ago, which was phenomenal. The best Stephen King movie from that era. Uh, I'm going to go with period. 
That dude with the mullet that played Randall Flagg that looked like a satanic version of the guy oh. from Full House. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so, Mike, what do you got of this? Like, why can't they do Dark Tower? Uh, it's it's a very dense story, and I think a lot of subject material in it is very serious. Like, one of the main characters is a junkie, uh, and it's warping around the multiverses. Not only, you know, bouncing around the time, you're also going to multiverses. It's a really dense, complex story. Uh, but like we said, it seems like after some of this Marvel multiverse stuff and uh, – People might be ready for it. I think they might be able to handle it. And I'm, it's uh, it's also kind of this? an uneven story. It's a very uneven story. So I think they would need to really consider that when they're editing it out for sure. What about just the first book? Just the first book? Because I, I thought the junkies and drawing it a three. Yeah. No, yeah. That, well, that book would be a motherfucking nightmare to turn into a movie. <laughs> I just want the first book as a movie. What yeah, about I the could... second one where they go to Oz? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I mean, like I said, I think it's, it's dense, it's convoluted, but modern audiences, I think, are ready for it if it's done correctly. The movie, you know, I hate, God, I hate to say this. Oh, my Lord, I hate to say this. I wasn't I wasn't feeling Elba for the lead on that, personally. It's got nothing to do with what you're thinking. I swear to you, it doesn't. He just didn't have, in my mind, like a swagger. He... You know, he didn't. He didn't seem kind of tired and worn out. He just seemed t- kind of too fresh. I don't know what it was. He he didn't seem like the character of the gunslinger to me. Well, it was meant to be Thomas Jane uh, for for many years. Ooh, that 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 would be awesome. That's fucking tight, right there. That's yeah, dream and now it's perfect. Now it's perfect for him because it was Clint. Obviously, it was Clint Eastwood. When you read the right, book, you're like, right. this motherfucker's Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he's grizzled. He's, he's still got a good heart, you know. He's tired. He's worn out. He is the the man with no name. Uh, It's almost, Mm -hmm. in a weird way, a a spiritual successor to that idea of a character like that. Where, what if Blondie just kept going past the good, the bad, and the ugly, became this supernatural being? That's him. I always pictured him looking like like the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) That's always how I pictured it, even as a kid or even. Yeah, obviously. But I didn't mean to hijack the whole show. Oh, no, no, God. Dude, okay, here's the thing. We could talk about Stephen King and Stephen King stuff all day. I know all three of us could. It could be its own yeah. fucking podcast. And, and by the way, I, it should be pointed out, at least the last time we tried uh, uh, fantasy and sci-fi, we tried to do it together as one episode, and we ended up talking about Star Wars for a fucking hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, yeah. there's no format to this show. Fuck that. <laughs> but yeah, fantasy now is uh, honestly running through – Witcher uh, through Game of Thrones, and you can say what you will about Game of Thrones. It was great up until the last season, but the books Love are fantastic. It. The books are fantastic, even though I do like to call it the blue balls of fantasy. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That uh, all I'm saying is that dude that writes it. Uh, why George can't fa- yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, George Martin looks like he died yesterday. He needs to get <laughs> the fucking books out. <laughs> like okay, absolutely. I, I, I got some friends that are big Game of Thrones fans. Personally, I, I read some of the first book, and I thought that, that was pretty cool. If I had the time, I, hell, we're in quarantine. I might do it now. Yeah. But uh, like, I, I had no problem with the books. That show's boring as hell. Like all I know about that show is that they the some some family members fuck. They talk about dragons for four years before you see one, and there's a murder midget. That's Game of Thrones to me. That's all I fucking know. I tried to get into it. It looks on paper like some shit I should love. I do not make fun of it. I do not trash it. It's fan base. They got screwed bad. Mm-hmm. 
If you I think do. Game of Thrones is boring, you've had a hell of a life. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just don't I, think he's got into it enough. I just don't think so. Once right, you got right. into it and all the fucked up shit starts happening, you'd be like, oh man, no, this is my jam. It's just real dark. Oh, it's dark as fuck. It's shockingly dark. I jumped shockingly. off Walking Dead, so I can't say as a fan now, but right. I, I loved that show for years and would not defend it because I told people you have to get through the first season and three episodes of season two before it gets good. That's nine hours of your life that you have to dedicate before the show gets good. So there, uh, ergo, I cannot defend it. Arrow, you have to watch 10 episodes before it gets good. Ergo, I oh, cannot yeah. defend it. Uh, Game of Thrones fans, do me the same courtesy. Because like, it was like, you just didn't keep getting deep enough. Like, I tried multiple times. And it just, I didn't like the pacing. I didn't like the dialogue. I didn't like the way it was filmed. And I didn't like the fact it was boring as fuck. But whereas Witcher, in the first like 10 minutes, he beheads like 10 fucking monsters and gets laid like all right witcher i can get down on game of thrones is boring as fuck that's the best way i can explain those two things for you is that game of thrones is a slow burn and more this is fantasy if it was like real life and witcher is like this is fantasy (laughs) (laughs) yeah like like it it, the comparison that I've, i've i've heard recently that i liken it to is that uh game of thrones is sitting in your room getting stoned and uh witcher is you know, smoking crack and drinking Clorox bleach and jumping in front of a moving car. <laughs> Maybe you just have a uh, crush on Henry Cavill. Oh, I totally do. That <laughs> man's national treasure. Any guy that is that jacked and that built that when interviewed talking about Witcher starts talking about how he builds his own PCs and paints his Warhammer figures is a fucking national treasure. <laughs> yeah, he's the leader that. of the geeks now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so what is it about Game of Thrones that y'all like so much? I don't get it. Like, because you got to bear in mind, it's all been spoiled for me. Uh, like, right. I'm ne- I, I, I can't. The fucking South Park episodes alone have told me every fucking plot twist in this fucking show, and uh, all of the fans tell me don't get invested into it because when you watch the last season, you'll want to kill yourself. I think if you know down. everything, if you know everything, then yeah, it won't be. It won't mean much to you. It had to unfold for you. Yeah. Basically, watch the first seven seasons and then fanfic your own final season. Yeah. So it's got the Dexter effect? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it does. Ooh. No, I want to do that. Uh-huh. I, 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 I can see the allure of it. I do think it's got the throne for modern fantasy, for sure. But like, what else outside of Game of Thrones and Witcher really is there? Uh, I mean, is... stuff that they're working on or stuff that's out? That's out? His Dark Materials is a modern fantasy. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty you unique. keep recommending this show. What is this show? Uh, I don't know that I'd recommend it. I I mean, I think you should watch it and make your mind up yourself. Um, I have a bit of a disconnect with it, but I appreciate it. It's creative. It's unique in its own. Actually, it calls a lot from Dark Tower now that I think about it. Um, it's on HBO. Uh, it's sort of its own unique spin on some fantasy stuff. One of the best modern fantasy anything to me is the Wheel of Time series, which is finally getting adapted into a series by Amazon. I keep and, hearing uh, about this story, but I've never read it. Break this down. Okay, so Wheel of Time. The best way I can describe it to you in a quick way is it's very Forgotten Realmsy, as far as the setting. If you know what I'm getting at, it's wizards, it's elves. it's Traditional it's fantasy. Traditional fantasy. It's very traditional fantasy. Like by the numbers um, D&D campaign shit. I mean, there, there's some stuff that goes outside of that, obviously. And, 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 and I mean, that's going to happen. But, I mean, it's high fantasy is the best way to, to oh, really right. break it down. Um, 
there were oh man how many books are I'm trying to think there are actually so many books i can't even like properly uh didn't the author die and then hand it off to somebody else yes, i'm making that up yes it's been moved around between different uh, different authors because it's kind of like what they did with Brian Her- or Frank Herbert's work that there were things left for like Brian to use as notes and the same thing happened with uh, Wheel of Time. Um, it's going to happen with Game of Thrones too. <laughs> yeah, it, he's he's done that already. He's talked about that. It's it's a um, it's it's more. I can say that it references a lot of Earth, real Earth type myths and stuff like that it, it harkens back to stuff as if the world as if this was uh this is both simultaneously the future and the past and the whole story kind of goes around that revolving very dark towery if you really <laughs> i mean it does where the wheel of time um right uh, it, it, it's your what's his name robert jordan wrote it and uh yeah, I mean, if I'm tell if I tell you too much of it, it kind of gives it away. <laughs> but yeah, it's about this uh, basically the age of man during that time, uh, mm. which you know we referred to as like the uh, I think it was called the third age, but like in Tolkien would have been the first age of man or whatever. Um, and there's this there's been this war going on for a long time between these two different regions, like a swampy region and this whole like more civilized region of not the wastelands and uh then things just kind of go all to hell (laughs) um basically they're all after uh this plot device that can control the parallel words and the pattern uh they can go back and forth in time and all that so that's what it kind of changes everything the wheel if you wish you know D &D has come up a couple times in passing in here and i'll have to admit D D. That is what turned the corner for me to really draw me into personally adoring fantasy, and it opened my world up a lot, just having the control over it. Uh, it, it allowed me back then to create worlds, sort of. You, you ask what I like so much about Game of Thrones, one of the things is it, it's very visceral and unedited. It, it feels more to me like a, what a lot of the behavior would be happening back then. People, oh, I fucking, you know, people are getting beheaded and raped everywhere. It just, it just feels very visceral and more real. Well, you just said 11. You just said 11 really fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's Game of Thrones, man. It, it is. But, uh, but you know, D&D allowed me to, I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, Star Wars felt contemporary and I've always been kind of chasing fantasy that did not feel old and dated and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, softened. And, uh, you know, D&D allowed me to participate in fantasy and make it more realistic, uh, like I personally think Game of Thrones is. Uh, and that's one of the things that appealed to me about that. But anyway, sorry, uh, D&D really brought me into fantasy, and uh, I love both things now. Well, there, I have some questions for you guys on D&D, because I have not played D&D since college. Mm. Mm. And I, it's fascinating to me. Like, you know, we've talked about this on the show a bunch, how, like, if you would have told young us that, you know, there was going to be girls going to see Marvel movies with you and they, they knew who the Avengers were. We had told you you're out of your fucking mind. Sure. Mm-hmm. I know more girls that play D&D than guys now. Uh, the, the gender wall has completely been torn down for nerddom. I personally couldn't be happier. But uh, D&D in the last, like, I would throw a dart at the wall with, say, <laughs> four years or so, has just gotten fucking huge again. Like, Hollywood celebrities are talking about it and shit. There's, there's fucking streams on YouTube of... You know, hey, look, it's three of my favorite people from this sitcom, and they are unironically playing D&D. They are actually fucking playing D&D. They have their character sheets they brought from other games coming in from home. Like, 
with with technology as gigantic as it is like speaking of this is the perfect time to plug the upcoming outlander media dnd game yeah we've been recording this the past few weeks in remote via google hangouts um it was a it was a challenge to get together at first we'd planned on doing it live but things are uh, what they are now and we put a game together for you we're going to be getting it up there streaming soon led by one monsieur boston mccown uh looking forward to getting that out there for you guys to hear yeah, Boston from, yeah, from uh, DLC Respawn. Yeah, uh, CK's in the game just like myself, and uh, check it out once it comes out. Yeah, it's called Tales from the Outlanders. It's going to be fun. Get in it. <laughs> so, like, what? Is, that was an excellent time to put that plug in, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Well done. Very good show. So, what is it that's made DT so fucking cool again? The nerd walls being broken down and people being more open to things like that, I think, shows. Uh, on TV, breaking that down, the Marvel movies. Um, yeah, absolutely. People are just more open-minded to these kinds of things. And that fifth edition is super accessible. It is. Oh, also Harry Potter, I think, really. Uh, you know, you're looking at people that were into Harry Potter when they were younger. Now they're getting a little older, so they're going to be more open-minded to things like this, too. Dude, I would have never, ever drawn those two dots together on the fucking wall. But now that you mention it, fuck, that's smart. Uh, that's... Damn, that's a tight answer. And I, I think Game of Thrones had something to do with it, too. Oh, 100%. Like, oh, yeah. Because the one thing, okay, again, not a Game of Thrones fan. I can see why people like it. You know, maybe I just didn't give it a long enough of a shot. But now, you know, it's all spoiled for me anyway, so fuck it. Uh, I've watched episodes of it, and the world looks phenomenal. But so much of, like, when you watch fantasy movies, especially in fantasy TV, and, like, Game of Thrones is just a fucking series of movies, if you ask my ass. I'm sorry. When you look at the budgets of each one of those episodes, that's a fucking mini-movie. But, like, so much of that is built in your imagination anyway. Because, like, you've got – there is so much suspension of disbelief to take that shit seriously. So I can kind of see how that could jump off points to just all suspension of, you know, of belief. And let's just totally play in our minds. Like, that's, that's it's a cool idea. Like, and I, I want to uh, I want to give a shout out to my very first DM. I know he's a, a the fan of ours. He's on the page commenting a lot. Mr. Robert Nicholson, man, I got to tell you, he really showed me and unlocked in my mind what D and D could be with these living, breathing characters around the table. You know, he always promoted uh, acting the characters out in the role playing aspect of it. Uh, and that when that when that comes together at the table, when everyone at the table is talking, but they're actually for fuck real talking as their characters. There's nothing else like it, man. It's really fantastic. See, that's my only disconnect. Uh, when I was when I played as a kid and in college, we had two dungeon masters, right? And one guy who went by Melvin. I have no idea what his real name is. Uh, still to this day, uh, he acted out everybody, and he did this fucking phenomenal job. And like, and they, they, he'd be like, "Okay, act as your character," and I'm like, "Okay," but my character just happens to talk exactly like me. Like, I could not like shift my voice and like jump into it that way the way i saw everybody else doing it and i just kind of felt left behind on that i guess i think that's probably why i quit playing dnd all right i can totally be this character but like i'm not speaking like i'm you know hijacking ye old pub <laughs> well there well, are you know, means different things yeah. to different people yeah absolutely there are two types, definitely. Yeah, there's the RP peers and non RP peers. Yeah, so I mean, people you can't... play it like Diablo. They just want to go in, get the loot, get out. You know, they don't they don't play the characters out. I could play as the character, but the character just happens to talk exactly like this. Hey, that is totally fine. You know, sometimes people will just make a character just a version of themselves. Some people want to experience a different life, and they make it very opposite of themselves. It's you know, there's no one way to do it by all means. 
then maybe I should give it another shot because those yes. are the people that ran me out of D and D. They like this one dude. Uh, I don't know what it is with me and bitching about mage hats today, but uh, he he was some kind of a caster, and he literally came in in the fucking hat, and I was like, holy shit. Well, you know, A plus, extra credit. That's extra credit. Like that dude would give me up the fucking river. He'd be like, "No, talk as your character." I'm like, "This is how my fucking character talks, bitch." <laughs> my character just happens to have a very strong speaking resemblance to Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, D and D. By the way, put a pin in that Harry Potter thing because I'm. Okay, just a sec. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of uh, listeners, I know uh, Charles, uh, Mr. Charles C. Kane. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was, he wasn't requested. It was Zach Cowan. Zach Cowan requested the Harry Potter. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Zach for that. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, so, yeah, we'll hit Harry Potter for a second because it wraps up D&D to. perfectly anyway. We have to. Yeah, it, it wraps it up perfectly. And honestly, Harry Potter uh, broke down so many walls and barriers from people who were still afraid of fantasy and wizarding with their religion I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way oh. so get mad um it broke down all those walls especially in the south if you live in the bible belt you had a mm-hmm. lot of problems playing and that was another stigma that also held D back for a long time i believe and that finally went away um, yeah there was that big push in the 80s and early 90s where like yeah. dungeons and dragons is satanic but yeah, rolling dice and doing math is going to summon the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and similar things happen with Harry Potter, but much less. And you can kind of tell that after it stuck for a while, everybody just kind of like, oh, you know what? This is acceptable and fine. And uh, I mean, beautiful archetypes in that story about the, of course, the hero's journey. Once again, it all goes back to Dune. <laughs> <laughs> so, so originally everybody said that Harry Potter is Star Wars, and now CK is adding Layer 3 into this inception going, well, Harry Potter is Star Wars is Dune. Yes. <laughs> let's be specific, all right? Let's remember where we came from. So now we're going to start doing this to all fantasy stuff until everything becomes Beowulf. <laughs> everything Beowulf, which is also true. Also, also, the name of my ska band is Everything's Beowulf. <laughs> wait to hear it. Um, JC's ska band coming to you in two weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we'll, um, we'll be doing those Goldfinger style quarantine shows. <laughs> I am so down. I'll be skanking my way out of here. Uh, uh, Harry so, Potter uh, means a lot to a lot of people, dude. Uh, it is really huge. You've talked about that impact at my age uh, that Star Wars had on me. If I were that similar age of Harry Potter fans, that would have been my shit. When, I mean, I loved it at my age I was at. But I, if I could have imagined if I was like anywhere from like 10 to 12 or 8 even when I was reading that, it, it would have been my shit. I would have been obsessed. I am so far removed from Harry Potter fans now, I think I can give it a shot. Yeah, it's fantastic. I've never like – I've never – I mean, I, I read part of the first book, and I'm like, this is a fucking children's book. No, but I was also in like that – like living in my band's practice room punk rock phase of life you know what i mean it's like did not fit the mo of a guy that actually had his hair cut into a fucking misfits devil lock you know it did not fit the archetype of of my dumb shit at the time it it would not have been a a good look on you during that i probably would have gotten more girls uh honestly or at least you know girls with a job but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, oh my god that's so funny but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gutter punks don't work. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, I, I, it, it, the the fans pissed me off a lot, and then like, everybody was like, "You don't like Harry Potter." Harry Potter fans became Game of Thrones fans to me. Like, you don't like Harry Potter? It's like the, the, the 
that the wire fans became breaking bad fans. They're just the worst fucking people alive. <laughs> and I'm guilty of that for breaking bad. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Sorry for both of them. Sorry. Me too. Uh, I, I didn't watch breaking bad until the season that it ended for a reason. It was like, that's when everybody shut up when it went off the air, they put the last season on Netflix I was like, okay, now I'll watch it. Everybody shut up about it. Everybody has shut up about Harry Potter enough now to where I think I can watch it because it'd be the same thing every time. Like, you don't like Harry Potter? And then I realized, fuck, I'm just as bad as the Harry Potter fans because I'm like the militant atheist to their Harry Potter beliefs. <laughs> I was like, people that hate Harry Potter fucking hate it. Like, there's, there's, it is a love hate, hot, cold, two knobs in the shower type of people in the world. They I just, I don't, I don't see how somebody could hate it. I mean, if you don't like it that's fine but if you hate it i don't know that's a bit much uh, i hated it over the fans because they were like well you just watch it and i'd watch out of sequence shit that i didn't understand what was happening and now years later that i'm not as particular picky or just i, I took the stick out of my ass really and uh, <laughs> like, like now that i'm looking back at it like i i, I want to go watch all this shit because the clips of the stuff that i watched wasn't fucking bad at all it really wasn't. I just didn't know what was happening. It seemed high production quality with a good story that was well acted. And, you know, it's a hero's journey. I love that shit, you know, and that that kid that played Harry Potter, I, I'm calling it, shall become Wolverine in a few years because he's perfect for it. Uh, choice. I want it. He's short. He's jacked. And he can do serious work. Plus, Horns was really fucking dope. Uh I watched all the Harry Potter movies in the course of a week in preparation for a comedy roast. We were doing the roast, and uh, I was like, well, I'm going to be Snape for sure, but I'd only seen the first movie. So I barreled through them, and uh, I loved them. They were great. And you mentioned the first one seemed maybe like it was for kids, and that might be a little bit, but uh, the movies, I don't know how much it is for the books. I'll admit I haven't read them, but uh, the movies age with their audience very well. By the time you get to the end movie, it's like, holy crap, it is nowhere near what the first one was. So uh, don't See, let that, that turn you off. That's something I can get into now because now that it's over. And so, you know, like when stuff like this is over, it's easier for me to get into because I know it as a definite ending point, and that kind of sells if I'm going to get into it or not. Like, I know Game of Thrones ending is a big box of shit, so I'm not going to try to jump into it. But Potter, I can do, because it, it gets progressively darker, and there's one of the movies in the franchise that all of my friends are like, yeah, that's their return. I mean, that's their Empire Strikes Back. It's this one in the same shoot. And, like, nobody ever says the same fucking movie number. It's different for everybody. I appreciate the shit out of that, personally. But, yeah, I want to give it a shot because... Do it. Like, those fans, like you said, they became D&D fans. They became Game of Thrones fans. They've grown up in fantasy in a way that I can appreciate now, you know? At the time, well, I was just pissed because it wasn't oh, okay. my thing and there wasn't any good Star Wars movies, really. I was just well, a bitter, jaded fanboy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And since I'm he who strides between generations, uh, I can say that with Potter... If I had to pick my like Empire Strikes Back of the Potter stuff, like with me, I was on the I was at the right level to enjoy the first one and then really get into it more. But with Potter, like as far as my Empire Strikes Back, it was Goblet of Fire, for sure. Well, from my understanding, uh, the first one is very kiddie, you know. Hey, but it's the magic of Chris Columbus. So when you look through that lens, like think think of Home Alone and look through that lens and go. Yeah, I, I I think I think what's mellowed me out a lot over the years is like having a kid. Like now I can yeah. actually sit there and watch all the Harry Potter shit because she's ten, and I asked her about this recently, and I was like, "What do you think of Harry Potter?" She's like, "I haven't really seen much." So like I've debated just getting the whole series and watching it with her. Oh, nice. 
and because apparently it gets dark as fuck, but you know the kids can still watch it. And she sat through Endgame, and if she can sit through Endgame and Infinity War, I think she can handle pretty much fucking anything. Like she saw her beloved Spider Man get snapped the fuck out of existence. Yeah, she can. She can take it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to do the Harry Potter dive probably as soon as I can find it online. Okay. I'm proud of you because you're going to like them. And uh, like I said, the magic of Chris Columbus. What's going to be really funny is all of my years of rampant Harry Potter bitching in like two, three weeks. I'm just going to be on here. Have you guys heard the gospel of Harry Potter? This shit is. (laughs) When that shit happens, I will publicly record me eating the shit sandwich. Uh, And when I jump into this fanboy train, if I get into it, I can sit through the first one now, though. I know it gets darker. I love dark shit. Like the darker something gets, I'm like, ooh, unholy dark lord Satan. Yes. Also, Alan Rickman, dude. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) man. I mean. I can't even like express to you how much Alan Rickman means to me anyway, but how much more he means to me because of Snape Severed. See, that was one of the things when it first came out that pissed me off so much. It's like, you mean there's going to be a whole generation that thinks that Alan Rickman's not Hans Gruber? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He, uh, he, he elevates his craft in that, in that dude. His character is... Oh, man. It's just amazing. I, I, I can't say enough about that, about that role and about him. Uh, Harry Potter, I do have to give some credit for uh, not video games that were based off of it, but the fact that it made like Harry Potter fans got into shit like Skyrim. Like they give fantasy video games a push. Like all fantasy video games are based out of D and D, just straight up. Yeah. Video games are statistical roles. D and D is a math problem with the fantasy this world that you make in your mind. Well, absolutely. Uh, those early games like Final Fantasy. Uh, Fantasy Star, they're 100% trying to duplicate the D&D experience digitally, so you didn't have to have a group of people around the table. Um, that's exactly what it was, yeah. Which, that, that's the special part to me, is that, that interaction with other people and the, the creativity when it starts flowing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, those are the origins. It's, it's the same thing with, like, when D&D was in a slump, like, for its fan base. If you notice, that's when shit like World of Warcraft and Guild Wars and Final Fantasy fourteen, mm-hmm. like, all those big MMO juggernauts came out. Because people were filling that hole in their soul with social interaction with fantasy storytelling. That's a good observation. Hey, JC, you lean uh, towards the adult animation. I know you like that a lot. Uh, you yeah. an Adventure Time guy? You watch Adventure Time? Is that something you do? I do not. Uh, only because I keep forgetting. <laughs> uh, normally, if I'm watching that stuff, it's late at night, and I may or may not uh, be consuming marijuana, and I totally fucking <laughs> forget. Uh, I've, I've seen some Adventure Time, and I think it's cool. I just never took in the dive into it as much. Took in the dive. Oh, yeah. Grammar today. Totally good. But uh, uh, I, I'm, I have nothing bad to say about it. Everything that I've seen of it, I enjoy. But to me, Adventure Time, from what I've seen so far, and I could be wrong on this, seems like it's more on the drug experience side of adult animation because there's a lot of that shit. There's a lot of stuff that's just trippy as hell. You know, like Ren and Stimpy was a prime example of it. Like, Ren and Stimpy was made by people in LSD, clearly. <laughs> like, like there, there is that part of the adult animation world. And I'm not saying you have to be on drugs to watch it. I'm just saying it's, it's drug influence. Like, that new cartoon on Hulu that Justin Rowland from Rick and Morty put out is like basically like watching Mushrooms with some Rick and Morty-style dialogue. Like it's 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 the, those shows to me are like Super Mario Brothers. Like if you say the stuff out loud, it sounds like you're on mushrooms. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I want to get more into it. I want to. It's on my watch list for sure. Oh, but, uh, dude, it's awesome! It's amazing. 
I, I can't say enough about Adventure Time. I, 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 mean, I know Mike really wants to, to get into it, and I'm just throwing my two cents out there. No, well, well, pitch it. Pitch it to me. I mean, uh, Mike, go ahead. You got this. That, you know what? I'm, I'm pitching it back to you. I barely watched any of it. I was just uh, I was going to get your guys' take on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> surprise. Oh, okay. So do you need – what do you want to know about Adventure Time, sir? Just like the basic premise of Adventure premise, Time? Premise, yeah. Or? I have not been able to exactly figure out the premise of Adventure Time yet, and it's not because it's, <laughs> it's not because it's well hidden. But I don't think I've ever watched Adventure Time without drinking. <laughs> okay, well, it is very fantasy oriented. It throws back on a lot of the tropes from things like Zelda and all that, like we were talking about. And uh, basically, a twelve-year-old boy falls into another world that's evil called Ooh, and uh, he's got a dog. You know what? You remember the thing you said about drugs a minute ago? Yeah. That's basically what I'm doing right now, telling the story. <laughs> it's like trying to tell you a story that's going to sound like drugs, because it is. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, all of the uh, the marketing and the merchandising especially, like, it's been on at my, uh, my, my daughter's mom's house when my daughter's older sister, she's like 15, right? Yeah. And, like, she's been watching it, and, like, my daughter – was in the room watching it and i was sitting there going oh that's a drug reference that's a drug reference that's a drug reference my daughter's 10 she's just like "Ooh, look colors pretty yay this is funny so it looked very druggy it looked very very druggy it's got a lot of influence there but it, it, the the references are usually funny and obviously it's meant for people uh it's meant for kids to be able to watch it and be like oh this is cool but it's so well written it's super smart super funny uh, but yeah, I mean, like this kid falls into this evil world and befriends this giant fantastical dog, um, and they go on adventures, righting wrongs and fighting evil. And it always has to do with the Ice King is the bad guy usually, and they're trying to should he like get married to Princess Bubblegum? And I mean, there's a freaking unicorn and a rainbow in it, man. That's I saw Rainbow. that. That's that's what like, that's what made me go. Yes, these people are on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that part. Yeah. But the storytelling super deep. Uh, it won a lot of awards for a good reason. And when you really get into it, you'll be like, "Oh, this is silly and amazing." I'm starting <laughs> to get into more cartoons like that, though. Like I recently took the dive and started My Hero Academia because my daughter's obsessed with it, and that's a it's like the first anime I've got into in a while. And I had to appreciate the fact that. Even crossing cultural lines, being you know clearly you know you know anime is all hell. There's a lot of dialogue in that show. I was like, oh, that's for adults, and my daughter is missing completely the context of it because they just had a big battle. Okay, cool. You know, funny that you mentioned my hero. Uh, you know who we're going to be interviewing next week? One Who's Mr. That? Kyle Abair, right? This guy was the voice of Teenage Gohan. He was the narrator of Dragon Ball. He was Sosuke in Bleach. He's Ryu from Street Fighter. He's been in so much stuff, JoJo's Adventure, and Guide the Exclusive. We're going to be interviewing him uh, next week, and I couldn't be happier to do this. I can't fucking wait. I, I, shout out to Terry and Outlander, because you, you, you guys get us the fucking coolest shit. Yep. It's like, when I, when I, when I tell people that I, if I just meet them for the first time or something, or if they weren't aware, I'm like, yeah, well, me and my buddies have this podcast. Even if I'm like typing it to them online, you can feel the eye roll. And I'm like, yeah, go go to check out our Spotify. And then I will always, like, if I'm typing it, I'll capitalize it. And if I'm saying it in conversation, I say it like a snide dick. But yeah, go to Spotify and look at the list of people we've interviewed. 
And then they'll like check it out. I'm like, oh, you guys are actually legit. I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that really mean, is. You mentioned the guy who literally he introduced those those episodes of Dragon Ball Z too. I mean, like that's him. Well, that's he's week, the guy that's Dragon next Ball time Z. on Dragon Ball Z. Didn't yeah, he voice him. Ryu for something too? Yeah, Street Fighter. Yeah, he's Ryu. Yeah, yeah. I I I. I, I I could I could ask one question in that whole interview and just be how the fuck do you get that job and I could mic drop and walk out. Or <laughs> <laughs> the way it's supposed to be pronounced, Ryu, Ryu. <laughs> Man, that's that's, a, that's another is. franchise that I've spent way too much of my life with is Street Fighter. I, I had to stop playing fighting games at a certain age because I couldn't justify the time sink. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I play Final Fantasy fourteen every night online. So yeah, I, I just traded time sinks from fighting games to MMOs. But uh, fucking, oh my god, how many times in your life have you emulated the Street Fighter noises at people for something? Oh, ridiculous! Yeah, it's just fucking insane. I can't believe we landed this interview. Even the quarantine must really—he must be running out of shit to do. If you, I, Aww, I, I, I'm just joking. I can't—I can't believe we got this. Shout out to Outlander, man. That's Absolutely, one hundred percent. And well, I after this um, episode, I gotta say, I'm going to probably when this is over, jump into a D and D game. So, uh, I, I, since I can't get it, uh, you know, Tinder's not working, so I'm gonna put out calls for D and D groups <laughs> and. <laughs> Like that, I, this is another fear I have. This is a legit fear, and I'm pretty sure that I represent a demographic of people that would like to play D and D. That this is a legit fear, right? Uh, it's right. it's really fucking hard to find people to play D and D with. Oh yeah, like if you never played, yeah. you're, you're coming in, you're like you're a noob, and like you can be like literally in groups of like friends, family members, and they'll be like, yeah, you can't join our group. Well, you know, there's a, a very popular program. You can uh, go to several uh, game shops. I know there's a couple here in Knoxville that you can even uh, play it at. It's sort of like Friday Night Magic, like Magic the Gathering, but people yeah. like get together and play in D&D. It's, it's a family deal. you got kids, you got adults. They uh, can generate characters for you, so you don't have to sweat that if you're just a beginner. And uh, if somebody out there is really, really having that itch to play and you're having trouble people finding people, check out a local game shop. They very well may be running these games. It's professional. It's through Wizards of the Coast. Uh, you know, you're not going to be going to some shady, smoky comic shop. Uh, check that out if you can. <laughs> What's really funny is I started playing Dungeons and Dragons in uh, shady, smoky uh, shops. I think one was a uh, used CD store, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is the guy who ran it's name was Rick, and he he played D and D, and he played Magic: The Gathering, and then EverQuest came out, and he played so much EverQuest that uh, he he got divorced from his wife Ooh. because the last straw was he missed their D&D games. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> that's he left many, his ass. We lost that's so true. many nerds to EverQuest. Oh, oh yeah. Ever, EverQuest and WoW there for a while were the marriage killers. They were. But we're wrapping up here. We're hitting over an hour. Uh, it's going to have to be like the sci-fi episode. We're going to have to come back for more fantasy, and there's totally. not enough time to do all this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anybody um, got any uh, last things they want to get in here? Well, let's throw some yeah. recommendations out. I, I've got a recommendation and uh, one final uh, modern fantasy thing to talk about. Um, and the, the cool thing about that is I'm just going to recommend it, and you go watch it if you've not seen it. And if you have seen it, say, yes, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's called Pan's Labyrinth. Watch yes, it. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it has um, been also, on my short list forever. Oh, dude, watch it. Trust me. Uh, I'm doing it tonight. We're doing it tonight. It's one of those things that you know it exists, you know? 
And uh, you're like, I've been meaning to get around to it. And then you finally watch it and you're like, oh, my fucking God. It, it was like a, a Parasite was like that. You know, it's like, yeah, I've been meaning to watch Parasite. Then you finally watch it and you're like, where the fuck has this been? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those. It's really fucking good. And also um, Underwater, um, the less you know about this, the better. It's a Kristen Stewart film. And yes, I mean it. Like, she is amazing in this. She's Ripley. If you don't believe it, you can go on my page and look at the comments that people have made. Everyone, like, t- tons of comments saying, uh, yes, love this movie. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Yes, love this movie. Oh, my God, she was great in it. And, like, it is horrifying. It is tense. It's a, it's a combination of, oh, my God, we've there's a disaster at this drilling station down below down at the Marianas Trench and all these people may have died and we've got to get out of here and we've got X amount of time before everything explodes and then the adventure just gets crazier and crazier and worse and darker and scarier and Lovecraft so do it (laughs) underwater you know how hard it is to sell me a movie saying Kristen Stewart is great and I partially Mm -hmm. just want to watch it just so I can if, if I don't like it I can go I told you so (laughs) <laughs> it's not even over Twilight. I'll tell you, it's not even over Twilight. I've never finished a Twilight movie to have the hate for it. Uh, it was her role in the Runaways movie. Oh, it's Joan Jett? You yeah, she it. fucked up Joan Jett so fucking bad that Joan Jett trolled her in real life. Oh, that is that is its own subject. Yeah. <laughs> that hey, was bad. Since I, apparently I'm doing segues today. That's my thing. I'm going to make a, a recommendation, and it's going to be a music recommendation. Ooh. Uh, right? Somebody I forgot even was a person, Fiona Apple. I was like, okay, whatever. But I had a very dear friend of mine, Greg Comer, recommend this album to me personally. I checked it out, and I was fucking blown away. Get on your Spotify. Get on your iTunes. Check out Get the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. Um, and just listen to it. It's not for everybody. It's weird, but it is bold, and it is creative, and she does not hold back. It's awesome. Check that album out. <clears throat> okay, I, I gave that uh, – I had to cough. Uh, I gave it a second chance uh, today when I got up just over how much you've been talking it up and it's awesome i would have never thought the phrase uh you know that that, that fiona album I mean, that fiona apple song slaps was ever going to come out of my fucking mouth right but like there I, I i haven't made it through the whole album enough times to digest it but like i, I i've played through it twice now and the first time i skipped through stuff i didn't like and today i played it cover to cover when i got up and I, I, I can't say I liked every song. I can't say it's a 10 out of 10 but Ooh, there, was some, there was some stuff on there that fucking slapped, that shocked the shit out of me. I was like, damn, man, she's fucking going for it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And my other recommendation is going to be uh, two easy ways to get into D&D. If you want to play in D&D, we've been talking about it a lot today. There's two great ways to do that. 20 bucks. That's all it takes. It's a box set. There is the D&D starter set, and recently they've added what's known as the essentials kit. Either way, you can just grab those and grab some friends and get started right away. And uh, check out the D&D Beyond app. It makes it also easy. So if this is something that's you know you're interested in, check those things out. Yes. And uh, also, I have a public service announcement. Um, if you are planning to go out during isolation and you want to shop, um, some of your local shops that are smaller have opened up now. And it may cost a little more to go there and shop. But if you're going to go out and do that anyway, then you give them your patronage. You go yes. to your local comic shop instead yeah. of fucking ordering comics. I support go that. Go to your local game store and buy games from a mom and pop. Go to your local grocery store that's a mom and pop. Buy local right now. Support your economy from yes. the ground up. Especially okay. local restaurants that are doing takeout only like responsible people. Go hit them shits up if you got the money. Yes. Excellent. Absolutely. Um, uh, if I got to throw the – Recommendation in here, 
uh, I got to think about this for a second because it's not like I, I got nothing on music. I got nothing on, and we've recommended so many movies in this podcast alone tonight. Uh, there's there's a lot to just digest through there. Like any of the movies, if you haven't seen them, that we just kind of burned through talking about, which hopefully you found entertaining because it was really fun for us to go down nostalgia lane. But uh, if you are looking for something interactive, uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake is fucking fire. Wow. Uh, it is. Anybody that's like, man, I'm paying $60 for the first part of a game. Oh, no. What's the worst thing that you're going to get? More fucking Final Fantasy with the highest production quality of any video game I've played in my life? Oh, you deprived bastard, you. <laughs> and uh, for more on that, I, I just did an episode of DLC Respawn where I sat there and broke it down with them. And uh, they did another episode on it from where they have all com com completed it. So if you're interested in it, go check that out. And if you're looking for something interactive and social to do, uh, Final Fantasy XIV on PlayStation 4 and Steam right now, you can get the game and all of the expansions. This is literal thousands of hours of MMO content for like 30 fucking bucks. Damn. And like, yeah, it's, it's a subscription game after it, but it's an MMO, and uh, it's the most thoughtful MMO I've ever played. It's all story-based. The story is fucking phenomenal. And uh, that subscription fee that you have to pay actually does go to keep updates, patches to the server, and they read the forums for fan complaints. So it's one of the only games I've ever played in my life where the creative team are like, damn, we should probably listen to the people playing our game so they won't fucking stop playing it. All right. Well, but we I, should have uh, Tales of the Outlander dropping tonight, as I just saw in our personal thread. And we've got Kyle Abear coming up next week with this interview. Big anime voice actor. Look for both of those things, guys. And if you've got any questions that you would like us to ask him, put it on our Facebook page and let us know. Because, you know, if, if they're cool and we like them, you know, we'll, we'll field it to them. Absolutely. That's also assuming that we remember, and that's really a 50-50 shot. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who haven't figured out, this show is stream of conscious as fuck. <laughs> but, Speaking uh, that's, of which, time to be all, unconscious. That's all I got. Uh, anybody else got anything? We good? I think I'm good. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for uh, Tales from the Outlander and our upcoming interview. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm JC. I'm CK. Hey, I'm Mike D. And we are the Geeks, baby. We'll catch you next time. Bye. See you. <laughs>